Hello, and welcome to the River of Life podcast. If you enjoy this podcast, we invite you to check out River of Life live this Sunday at 1030 a.m. in Crawfordville. Visit riveroflifefl.com for service times and directions. That's riveroflifefl.com. Now, let's join Senior Pastor Henry Jones as he teaches from the Word of God. Hmm. Wow. <laughs> wow. That'll make old men want to dance. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. I want you to open your Bibles, if you will, uh, to 1 John chapter 2, uh, verses 12 through 17. 1 John chapter 2, verses 12 through 17, as we continue our study through the book of 1 John. Um, we, we took an interlude there for a while, and the Holy Spirit led, but now we're back and under the leadership of the Holy Spirit, and we'll continue our study uh, through this book. So if you'll have your Bibles open to 1 John 2, uh, we'll start reading in just a moment from verse 12, and uh, the subject is spiritual growth, reasons for writing spiritual growth. This is one of the things that I love about John uh, and his writings is John doesn't just write, he tells us why he's writing. And he's writing this for our spiritual growth so that we will understand some wonderful things. Uh, but before I read the text and before we go into the message, I want you to hear a testimony. Andre White's going to come and share uh, a testimony. And when he shared this with me, it was just like a light uh, coming on, and it just made so much sense. And I know the Lord's going to speak to your heart uh, through Andre's message. You got, you got a mic? All right. You can step up here for a little bit. Here, good. Try that one right there. Good morning, church. <laughs> All right. That's what I like, a live group. Okay, so let me start from the beginning. There's a beautiful woman in the back named Margaret White. Meg, wait, raise your hand. Most of you know her. She's I, part- saw, I saw five women raise their hand back there. <laughs> <laughs> and um, she is part of this testimony. Uh, we've been married since 2001. We have four beautiful children, and God has blessed us in amazing ways. And um, he's used me in many ways, uh, serving him and praying and ministering. It's been a roller coaster serving God. Um, Margaret has not been home. She's from Nigeria. She has not been home for almost 20 years. And so we went home December 2014 for the first time. For the children and I, it was our first visit. And for her, it was the first time after 20 years. And so everyone was excited to meet us. You know, we met a lot of folks and family. They all knew of us, but first time meeting us, they were very excited. And what was amazing to me was everywhere I went, I was sharing about Jesus and sharing about God and what he's doing in my life and the amazing things he was doing. And it was nonstop the whole time. I mean, up late at night talking to people and with teenagers. There were young teenagers who just kind of cornered me in their room and was just asking me questions and asking me to share. And it was amazing. The whole trip, the whole entire trip. And so to make a long story short, 
when we got back, somehow, some way, I felt lost. Completely lost. It was like, like I was gone through some kind of spiritual desert. I didn't know what was going on. I couldn't understand it. And so I'm praying, and I'm seeking the Lord, and I'm saying, Lord, what is going on here? I don't understand this. And then he revealed to me. Even though I was just sharing and talking to people about the Lord, I was ministering. And God was pouring his anointing upon me. And the power and the presence of God was just all over me. And I didn't even realize it was happening. But when I got back here and I stopped ministering, the anointing stopped. And I felt like I was in a desert. It was just so dry. And I I couldn't figure out what was going on. So once he revealed to me what was happening, of course, I had to get active in ministry and start sharing and, 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 and praying with people. And, of course, the anointing was flowing back in my life again. And so if you're in a dry place, if you had an experience with God, a mountaintop experience with God, and you find yourself in a dry place, Start you need to get back on the mountain. That's get right. back in his presence. The anointing will flow back into your life. Don't just settle for a mundane going through the motions. <clears throat> get that refreshing spirit of God back on you. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. There was an old evangelist in the Southern Baptist Convention years ago that would go from church to church, and one of the statements he would make is this. If you have a sick church, put it on a soul-winning diet. And basically what he was saying, the same thing Andre was saying, that if, if you're sick, if you're dry, if things, if you don't feel the presence of God, start doing what God's word says. Step out on faith. And that lines up right with this message that the Lord has placed upon my heart. But I'm telling you that when you step out on faith, God will begin to anoint you and bless you and use you. And I can almost promise you, I won't be dogmatic about this, but I just really don't think God wants to anoint you to do nothing. That just doesn't make sense. When he anoints you, he wants you to do something. So you should have your Bibles open to 1 John 2, 12 through 17. Now we've been dealing with this text for a while. And what I want to do this morning is I want to just tie up the loose ends before we move on and continue our study through the book of 1 John. Now, uh, before I read the text, I, I want to tell you, I really believe that God has given me something extremely important to share with you this morning. Something that will make a huge difference in your Christian life. Now, it is real simple. It, It won't be difficult to figure out what it is. It's just real simple, but boy, will it make a big difference. Now, as I read the text... I want to remind you, and I I would like for you to look for five things in this text. Now, these are the same five things that I've shared with you every time I preached on this text, and I think this may be like the fourth time now. Uh, These five things we've talked about every time. These five things are this. John is going to say to them, and you'll you'll notice it when I read it. John is going to say, your sins have been forgiven for his name's sake. John's going to say, you know the eternal one, the one who is from the beginning. You know him. John will tell them, you have overcome the wicked one. 
And he's going to tell them, you have spiritual strength. And then finally, he tells them, you have the truth, the word of God abiding in you. Now, I want you to notice those five things as I read the text. But then what we'll do is we'll add two more to that list. And we'll have seven altogether. And and that'll bring us to a conclusion of this particular text. So follow along as I read. Beginning in verse 12. I write to you, little children... Because your sins are forgiven you for his name's sake. I write to you fathers because you have known him who is from the beginning. I write to you young men because you have overcome the wicked one. Man, I love this passage of scripture. I write to you little children because you have known the father. I have written to you fathers because you have known him who is from the beginning. I have written to you young men because you are strong. And the word of God abides in you, and you have overcome the wicked one. Now, those five things are in that text I just shared with you. Now, as we read verses 15 through 17, we'll add two more. Do not love the world or the things that are in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. And the world is passing away, and the lust of it, but he who does the will of God abides forever. Now, what John is saying to them is this. As this text begins, he says, from the start, these five things are true of you. He's not encouraging them to do or try to accomplish or to try to achieve those first five things. He says they're all done. I've told you every time I preached on this text that if you've been born again, if you've repented of your sins and the Lord Jesus has come into your heart, these five things are true of you. Your sins have been forgiven. You have met the eternal one. You are an overcomer. He has given you spiritual strength. You may not be using that spiritual strength, but it's there for you and it's available. And the truth, the word of God now abides in you. Those five things are true. And that's where he starts. Those five things are true. But then... He changes gears, as it were. And he says, now that these five things are true, now, two more things. Stop loving the world and start doing the will of God. Look look at verse 15 again. He says, do not love the world. Now he's giving them instructions. Do not love the world. Then look at 17. At the latter part of but he who does the will of God abides forever. John is saying to them, these five things are true of you as a child of God. But now I'm admonishing you. I'm encouraging you. I'm teaching you. I'm instructing you. Don't love the world. Stop loving the world and start doing the things that God wants you to do. Start doing the will of God. You see, John states the truth about their salvation, and then this is what he does. He calls them to action. He says, now it's time for you to start doing something. In fact, he, he, one is a negative and one's a positive. Stop loving the world. The positive is start doing the will of God. 
This is a call to action. This is a call to go to work. This is a call to do something. Child of God, do you understand that God did not save us so that we could sit soaking sour? God didn't save us so we could sit in a chair every Sunday morning and hear a few good things from the Word of God and do nothing with it. He called us to go to work. He called us to do something. He, he called us to get busy. There's a poem that those of you who have been in this church have heard me quote for years, and it goes like this. If a man would be a soldier, he'd expect, of course, to fight. And he couldn't be an author if he didn't try to write. If a man would be a hunter, he must go among the trees, and he couldn't be a sailor if he wouldn't sail the seas. So it isn't common logic, doesn't have a real true ring, that a man to be a Christian doesn't have to do a thing. But we've developed that kind of theology today, haven't we? I'm saved. I don't have to do anything. Let me make it plain and simple today, friends. There is not one earthly thing you can do to earn or deserve your salvation. It is by grace through faith and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. But at the moment you get saved, God calls you to go to work. God calls you to do something. God calls you into action. He wants you to do something. And that's what John is saying. He's saying these five things are true. Now this is what you need to do. Stop loving the world and start doing the will of God. Now don't get all bent out of shape about not loving the world. Okay? Sometimes people hear that and they think, well, what, what am I supposed to do? Listen, this passage of Scripture doesn't mean you can't enjoy this world. It doesn't mean you can't even enjoy the things in the world. One verse of Scripture in the New Testament says God has richly given us all things to enjoy. Did you know that everything you have in your life, every good thing you have, God has given you to enjoy? There's nothing wrong with enjoying your life. There's nothing wrong with living in victory. And there's nothing wrong with enjoying the, the, the benefits of serving God. There's nothing wrong with that. What this Scripture is talking about is that the moment you gave yourself to the Lord Jesus Christ, the moment you surrendered your heart to Him, at that moment, He became your first love. Now, I'm real dogmatic about that. Because if there has never been a time in your life when Jesus became your first love, you never even got saved. Impossible to get saved without that. So you see, the moment you gave your heart to Jesus, He became your first love. He captured your heart. You surrendered yourself to Him, to live for Him, to worship Him, to be His from that day forward. It's alright for you to enjoy the things of this world, but you no longer live for the things of this world. That's not what your life is all about. Living for Him, loving Him, serving Him, obeying Him, walking with Him, worshiping Him, focusing on heaven. This is what your life is about. It is not about this world anymore. And nothing in this world is that important to you anymore. He is. And I'll tell you something else, friends. Life itself is not all that important anymore. I'm serious. Until you've been around some saint of God who's ready to go home to be with the Lord and seen the victory and the joy on their face, 
Man, you might not understand this, but not even life. Jesus even said, don't worry about those who can take your life. I, I, I don't mean to upset you, but he says, that's not a big deal. Don't worry about the person who can take your life. Worry about your soul. That's what, he, that's what he wants us to focus on. So are you with me this morning? Do you, get, do you get the big picture? And that is that at the moment you get saved, your sins are forgiven. You get introduced to the eternal one. You overcome the wicked one. And by the way, that's not something you accomplish later in life. That happens the moment Jesus comes in. And he gives you spiritual strength. You may not be using it, but it is there. It's there for you to use. And he puts his truth and his word in you. That's at the moment of salvation. But let me tell you something, friends. The moment you hear the scriptures, you read the scriptures for yourself, and you put it into practice in your life, and you stop loving the world, and you start doing the will of God, that's the moment you start growing in grace. That's the moment you leave the foundation of your faith. That's the time when you start growing up, when you stop loving the world and you start doing the will of God. Listen, I have uh, examined, tried to examine, study a little bit the lives of those who have stopped loving the world and started doing the will of God. And I tell you, you can learn a lot from people, the people of the past and even the people of our day who have sold out to the Lord. Let me share some of these with you, some of these quotes. David Livingston, missionary to Africa. Sympathy is no substitute for action. Oh, friends, we can have all the feelings we want to have. We can have all the emotions we want to have. And by the way, I love being in an emotional worship service. And I don't think I've ever been in one better than we had today. But sympathy, emotions, feelings is no substitute for action. You see, that text that I have been reading to you week after week now in our study, that text says, but he that doeth the will of God will abide forever. You see that? That's, that's, God wants us to do something. Here's a, here's another good one. Hudson Taylor, missionary to China, says, God's work done in God's way will never lack God's supply. Man, I love that. Get a hold of that and it'll change your life. You see, friends, when you know God wants you to do something, you step out on faith and you start attempting to do something that you know the Holy Spirit is leading you to do. And I'm telling you, God will move heaven and earth to support you and to bless you and to keep you going. He'll... He'll move things, change things, rearrange things so that you can fulfill the task before you. I don't know how God does it. But friends, boy, does he do it. And he does it all the time. Uh, What's going on right here this morning is a testimony of that. A little over 12 years ago, we were in another location and we had $123,000. That's how much money we had. And that sounds like a lot of money to me, and it is a lot of money to me, $123,000. But God laid it on our heart to come to the center of the county, to buy land, to build a worship center, to purchase educational buildings, to buy an edu- I mean, to, to build an, an administration building, to pave parking lots, to buy chairs. We needed millions of dollars, not $123,000. 
It was, it was one of the most difficult things we ever did, but we stepped out on faith. And friends, I tell you right now, today, we're on Main Street, Wakala County. We have 16 acres of property. We have a worship center that I absolutely love. We have educational buildings, administ- an administration building. This church is growing and every bit of it is paid for. It's all paid for. God's work, done God's way, will not lack God's support and his supply. It will not. Oh, please don't ever say again. In fact, don't even think this thought ever again. I know what God wants me to do, but I can't afford it. Don't ever say that. Friend, all you need to do is know what God wants you to do. And the moment you, even though you can't afford it, the moment you step out on faith, you can afford it. He's a mighty God. God's a way maker. He can make a way where there is no way. He can open a door where there is no door. He can bring supplies in from uh, places you didn't even think it was possible. You, you see, friends, that's how God works. So, so don't ever say, I can't do this. Just get on your knees. Make sure you're going in the direction that God wants you to go. Make sure you know what His will is. And then understand God has called you to action. He's called you to stop loving the world and start doing the will of God. And once you start doing the will of God, you can expect amazing and miraculous things to take place all around you. Here's a good one. William Carey, the father of modern missions, says, expect great things from God, attempt great things for God. Are you expecting great things from God? Man, I've been praying right lately. I think our church, even though, man, we've got such a a marvelous history and we've got so many testimonies, I think we're in a little bit of a lull right now. And I think we're in a time when we need to start expecting God to do some great things again. I think we need to get back on our faces again. I think this place ought to fill up tomorrow night with people who, who will come by and get on their knees at this altar and, and begin to trust God and seek God for His will. Not just for individual lives and families, but for this whole church. I think we're in a little bit of a lull, but I want to tell you, if we start expecting God to do great things again, He will. That's, that's, that's the way He works. And so, uh, here, here's, one of my, here's one of my favorite. You'll like this. C.T. Studd, British athlete and missionary, said, Some wish to live within the sound of a chapel bell. I wish to run a rescue mission within a yard of hell. <laughs> Man, I love that. You know why? Because he was a young athlete, a young British athlete who gave his heart to Jesus. And he was saying clearly, I don't want to stay in the comfort zone. I want to do something for God. I want to do something for the kingdom of God. And he stepped out on faith. By the way, he went on in his life to write a little poem that I'm sure you've heard some version of in your life. Only one life will soon be passed. Only what is done for Christ will last. You see, that's the thinking of a mature Christian. That's the thinking of somebody who is not just forgiven, not just, they don't just know the truth. They stepped out on faith. They no longer love the world. 
They're doing the will of God. Here's a, here's a great one. This is uh, uh, Jim Elliott, missionary to Ecuador, who, by the way, was martyred. He said, he is no fool who gives up what he cannot keep to gain that which he cannot lose. Wow. Wow, isn't that amazing? You, you understand, friends, plain and simple, when you stop loving the world, you're giving up something that you cannot keep. And when you start doing the will of God, you are finding something that you cannot lose. It, re- it really is amazingly powerful when we get in step with God. John Piper, pastor, theologian, said, to belong to Jesus is to embrace the nations with him. Do you know what I mean, embrace the nations? It means to have a burden for the nations. It means to care about what's going on in the nations. John Piper was saying, we have to go to work. We have to embrace the things that God embraces and care about the things God cares about. And friends, I I want to tell you, the moment you stop loving the world and the moment you start doing the will of God is the first moment that you can actually start ministering to the world. Because before that, you're just a part of it. I heard somebody say a long time ago, you're either missionary or mission field. And when you stop loving the world and you start doing the will of God, you become a missionary and you start caring and you start ministering. Here's one that I think a lot of us need. Man, I needed this. I I found this about a month ago and I've just been meditating on this. This is Max Licato, Christian author. He says, lower your expectations of earth. This isn't heaven. So don't expect it to be. Am I the only one who needed to read that? Lower your expectations of earth. This isn't heaven, so don't expect it to be. Friends, I want you to know this place is not heaven. It is earth. It is not heaven. It never will be heaven. This is earth. And if the Bible is true, and it is, right? Say amen. The Bible says in the last days there will be perilous times. Men will wax worse and worse. The days will be evil. Things will get worse and worse. I'm telling you this world's in a downward spiral and nothing is going to change that. Nothing is going to change. Now I believe and I pray to this end that you can have times of reprieve. You can have some brief moments where there's times of refreshing from the presence of the Lord. And so I'm praying for revival in this church. I'm praying for revival in our nation. And I'm hoping and praying that God will give us a season of the blessings and the favor and the goodness of God. But I'm telling you, this world as a whole is on a downward spiral. It's going to get worse and worse. Lower your expectations of earth. And I'll tell you this, friends, that if you stop loving the world and start doing the will of God, no matter what happens in this world, you will never lose your joy. Because your joy is not in the things of this world. The Gaithers used to say, sing it a long time ago, the world didn't give it to me, the world can't take it away from me. I'll tell you, if you get your joy from the world, it'll take it away from you. 
But if you get it from God, can't take it away from you. Well, let me sum this up. Here's a good one. I want to give you a couple more anyway. Uh, Jack Hayford, pastor, says people are looking for deliverance when what they really need is discipline. We don't like that, do we? You see, we want God to do all kinds of stuff for us, don't we? Oh, God, please do this. Oh, God, please do this. Oh, God, please deliver me. In fact, we'll go get somebody to cast all the demons out of us if we can. Which I'm not even sure is biblical for a Christian. If you figure that one out, you come tell me. But, oh God, we want you to do this. Oh God, we want you to do this. Friends, maybe it's time for you to stop asking God to do something for you. Pick up the Word of God and find out what He wants you to do for you. Because I can tell you, if you read it, it really is pretty simple. Do not love the world, neither the things that are in the world. For he that loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. Stop loving the world. Start doing the will of God. See, see, that's what the Scripture teaches. All right. Too many notes this morning. Let's end with this one. Max Licato, Christian author, says, The past does not have to be your prison. You have a voice in your destiny. You have a say in your life. You have a choice in the path you take. According to the Bible, you do. You have a choice. Are you a child of God today? Do you know absolutely, positively, for sure that you're saved and that you're going to heaven when you die? You have a choice in the path you take. This is... This is what you can do. You can ignore messages like this. You can, you can do your daily Bible readings, but basically ignore what you read. And if you do that, that's the wrong, that's the wrong response. Or you can do this. You can say, you know what? My pastor showed me right out of the Word of God that, that I need to stop loving the world. That the world can never be first place with me again. The things of this world can never be as important to me as the things of God. They always have to take a back seat. And I'm going to stop loving the world. It may take some discipline to do that. See, we talked about that a while ago. Not deliverance, but discipline. I'm going to stop loving the world. And I'm going to start doing the will of God. Now, friends, that's one you have to work out. Those first five, you get it the moment the Holy Spirit comes in. But those two things, you have to start walking it out. You have to start working it out in your life. See, you have a choice in the path you take. By the way, if you're here today and you're not absolutely sure about your salvation, sometimes you think you're saved, sometimes you think you're not saved, sometimes you're just not sure. You don't know if you died today whether you'd go to heaven or not. Is it really well with your soul? Well, friends, you have a choice in the path you take. You see, what you can do today is you can choose to ignore this message and take no action, walk out the door, and go about your life. But that's the wrong choice. Or you can make this choice. You can humble yourself down before a holy God 
And you can ask him to forgive you of your sins. You can ask him to reveal himself to you in salvation. You can ask him to help you overcome the enemy which wars against you. You can ask him to give you spiritual strength to walk it out. You can ask him to put his truth and his word right in your very heart. Basically, what I'm saying is you can ask him to save your soul. And when you really get saved, that's what happens in your life. You can ask him. And by the way, it'll never happen until you ask him. The Bible says, for whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. You have a choice in the pathway you take. Would you bow with me in prayer? Thank you again for listening to River of Life Podcast. If this message has touched you today, or if you need somebody to pray with you, please let us know. You can call us at 850-926-1200 or send an email at info at riveroflifefl.com. We also encourage you to check out River of Life live this Sunday at 1030 a.m. in Crawfordville. Visit riveroflifefl.com for more information and directions.